This is Pastor Mike from Jordan Lutheran Church, and you're about to hear one of our Sunday morning messages. At Jordan, we're passionate about learning from the Bible and pray that this message makes an impact in your life. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God, our Father, and Lord, and Savior, Jesus Christ. So this morning is indeed a, a Sunday where we're going out to hear a lesson. So Jordan Juniors makes their way out to listen. Uh, we have a wonderful member of the congregation who shares stories, who knows how to make a story come to life, and how exciting for the kids to go hear that voice. How many of you have ever done icebreakers? Anyone ever? Now, when I say icebreaker, how many of you have reactions to that? Yeah, sometimes if, if you've, like the first time, I remember like growing up and you kind of hear me like, these are the coolest things. And you go tell your parents, and then like you start to realize that there are a lot of icebreakers are repeated, like again and again. So sometimes if you've done one, you're like, yes, I have done this icebreaker 18 times. I have broken that ice many times over. But the intention is to get you to connect with others, to learn more about them. Uh, one that I want to kind of direct your attention on if you've done this, uh, it's one where uh, conveniently they've set up some obstacles in a room, just low-level obstacles, uh, and you are paired with someone else or multiple people, and a blindfold goes over your face, and they will then direct you blindfolded so they can walk through this obstacle course so that you are unscathed. The question on your mind on that day, though, is have I been paired with a kind person or have I been paired with the humorous person? Because every office or school or college has the humorous person who's not seeking to harm you but at least wants to get you to bump into the cone or nudge up against the chair. They didn't realize you were going to trip on the chair. They said they only wanted you to nudge the chair. So listening. Listening is an important thing. So grab Hebrews. We're going to go back in as we listen to the voice. Uh, where we're headed is this idea of how is it that God speaks to us. So we've got a picture of us with a blindfold on trying to make it through an obstacle course. Go left, go a little more left, a little right. But you kind of hope that maybe you can peer under that just a bit to find out if the person you haven't met yet because you're breaking that ice, whether they're guiding you or they're going to guide you right into destruction or at least falling. And what you have to have for that place is, do you have a confidence or any faith in them? You see, this is us leading in to Hebrews 11, sometimes known as the, uh, the great chapter of faith. Just, I mean, this is the hall of faith. But it starts in this way, Hebrews 11, verse 1. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. So if you have faith, it's faith in something that you do not have its entirety yet. You don't have that. I'm going to jump ahead almost to what could seemingly be the end of a sermon. On the day when Christ calls you home and heavenly, guess what? In heaven, you won't need what? You won't need faith. Some of you are like, whoa, what? You won't because you'll actually see it. Because we're taking Hebrews 11, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things unseen. Once you've seen it, you don't need faith. Now you actually have it's the assurance itself. It's now here, but we're not there yet. Hebrews is still painting this picture for us in Christ. We are still awaiting that day. So what's faith look like? For by it, the people of old, so we're referencing back. So we've got the Hebrews saying, remember what happened. That's what largely we've done the first 10 chapters. We've been pointing back to all those things that the people of Israel knew as their own. For by it, the people of old received their commendation. By faith we understand the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. 
So we've got faith, faith that God's word actually made the world, faith that God did all those things that he promised, but it's the assurance of things that we haven't yet fully seen. How many of you were present the day the earth was made? How many of you have a grandchild who told you that they think you were present? Uh, our Thanksgiving, there were a few references to, to being old that were made as my kids ran into aunts and uncles they don't always see. You're old. I'm like, wow, I'm glad they're still just four and two and they can get away with these things. Uh, but this reminder of the perspective that we have that faith gives us something very different. Now, faith has to have an object. I don't know if you know this about faith, but faith has something that it holds on to. Now, in the case of our Christian faith, our faith's object is the promise of God. See, our faith holds to God's promises. If not, you would have what some people call, you probably know this, without an object for your faith, it'd be what? Blind faith. Exactly right. It'd be a blind faith. You'd have nothing that it's grounded in. But we don't have blind faith. When somebody says, oh, you Christian, you have blind faith. No, I don't. <laughs> I assure you I don't have a blind faith. I have a faith that is grounded in the Scriptures, that is grounded in fulfilled promises of Christ, so we continue through this hall of faith, and we're going to move now uh, to verse 7. We jump to Noah. Now, there's a lot that I could look to, but we look at Noah first to think more about faith, our grounded faith whose object is God's promise and fulfillment of promise. By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen. Because remember, faith is assurance of things that are unseen. Noah doesn't know everything. He hasn't seen everything, but God spoke to him. In reverent fear, he constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. Some interesting things start to happen here in this chapter. So we've got this idea that Noah, by faith, things unseen, is going to construct this ark, and then Noah is going to become an heir of righteousness. Hold that. So if you can, in a sermon, kind of put something off to the side in your brain and go, hmm, I want to revisit that. We're going to revisit the heir of righteousness we're going to see how God is crafting here through the writer of Hebrews this unique understanding of the righteousness that you and I have, even as Noah is an heir of righteousness, but it comes by faith. This is a chapter reminding us if we are going to listen, if we're going to have faith in what God's doing, we've got to be listening to what God is sharing. And indeed, that's exactly what's happening to Noah. Uh, the phrase heir that we have here in Hebrews 11 also comes out in a few other places. Uh, Hebrews 1-2 speaks of Jesus as the heir of all things. He was appointed heir of all things. So when you hear in Hebrews 11 that Noah is going to be an heir of righteousness through faith, now we've got this, Jesus was the heir of all things. So if he's the heir of all things, Jesus is obviously handing these things as well. And then another maybe more clear passage, Hebrews 6 verse 17 we are heirs of the promise but it goes even further not just heirs of the promise the text reads heirs of the promise the unchangeable character of his purpose that god doesn't ever change so that this faith of things unseen is the same yesterday today and tomorrow you do not need a different faith in christ in 2030 some of you are like oh i'm scared about 2030 don't be the faith that guides you today would guide you then as well were God to choose that we're still living on that day. The unchangeable character of his purpose. So what's faith's object? God's promise. That object we're holding on to is God's promise. So we listen and look to the scriptures again and again so that we might be reminded that God's promise never, ever fails. 
So when people say, well, how is it that you have faith in Jesus? How is it you, this Christian, and in all this world with all these other religions and all these other ideas, it seems that you don't have any grounding. I hope that you can invite them into the scriptures and show them where God made a promise and where God had fulfillment, where God said he would do and he delivered. And today I stand in a place where I stand on all those delivered promises and I can say, I know that my tomorrow is certain because of the assurance of all that God has already completed and will continue to do. But Noah doesn't know all that. Noah knows some of the fulfilled promises. You start looking back to the patriarchs and others in the faith, you start to realize, boy, they stood on the shoulders of, you've heard this phrase, standing on the shoulders of giants. When it comes to us in our faith, we stand on the shoulders of faithful giants, a faith that God bestowed and gave to them to carry them forward. Uh, Listen, this is verse 13 to 16. I'm not going to share, I just want you to listen. Sometimes when I display it, I wonder if if you get too wrapped up, but just kind of hone into this, and we're going to listen to these promises of God that were held on to by the patriarchs. This is Hebrews 11, verse 13 to 16, speaking of their faith. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. As it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. See, in verse 13 to 16, all the patriarchs, you've got who? Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and all the patriarchs, they stand and they are yearning for something more. They're looking for this greater place. They're looking not just for a physical place, but what? A heavenly place. Verse 16 concludes this way. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. Now, I don't know if you've ever looked at 16 and really thought about this. The patriarchs were what type of people? A Jewish people, a nomadic people, a wandering people, and a people who were filled at times with D-O-U-B-T, doubt. They doubted all the time. They wondered what God was doing. And you've got God here in Hebrews eleven sixteen saying he was okay to be their God. And even better, he wasn't ashamed to be their God. You ever felt ashamed to be a part of your family? I'm not asking you to raise your hand. Like, if you've ever had that moment, yeah, you're like, and I'm like, whoa, man, awkward moment. I mean, I, I know I was. There are times I let my parents down. I'd come back. I didn't get a test right. I didn't get a quiz right. You didn't get a grade right. You didn't get a job you thought you'd get. You went to an interview and it completely bombed. I can remember the first time I had an automotive accident. I had to tell my parents. I was ashamed to be a part of my family. I'm not saying they're ever going to, and I don't know what, I'm just sharing with you. It happens to us. God reminds the patriarchs. He writes to us and say, I wasn't ashamed to be their God. That God was okay to number himself with a people that didn't always get it right. See, God's okay to be with us even if we don't have it all perfect. God was okay, and this is the patriarchs. At times, I I allude to the idea of uh, coloring pages that kids use. You know, wow, here's Moses, and we color him, and he's beautiful. Remember, Moses is also, he's got some doubts and troubles. We do great coloring pictures with David, but David's filled with troubles and doubt. Uh, Us as well, normally we'll color pictures, hey, I'm going to help this woman across the street. I'm going to help this man uh, to get up his front stoop, whatever that may be. Uh, But sometimes the coloring page should be, here's Jesus picking me up when I was doubting. Here's Jesus reminding me of his promise when I thought he'd forgotten me. God has what is sufficient for us for that day. But I mean, it's not just 
a physical place he's taking these patriarchs to. They have a picture of this spiritually realm they're going to. Hebrews 12, where we're going to jump ahead and I'll just read it to you. He gives more of that, Hebrews 12, 22. But you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to the innumerable angels in festal gathering. You see, the writer of Hebrews is helping you to realize it's more than just living here on earth. God is preparing a place for you. And the patriarchs knew that as well. Sometimes we get wrapped up in the, oh, the patriarchs thought it was all about tabernacle. It was all about temple. That's not the full picture of the Old Testament. They knew of a God who was going to return. They knew of a God whose presence and promise told them that there was something greater. They knew of resurrection. They knew of all these things. It's only us today that want to make it elementary as if somehow only we have the message. All those who have listened to God's word have that message because God made it clear of what he wanted to give to them. When we listen to God who speaks, he calls us to understand each new day. It's God who, again, Hebrews 1, verse 1, faith is the assurance of things hoped for. The conviction, the conviction of things unseen. If you've ever stood in your convictions, normally it's a phrase that talks about uh, it wasn't easy because the standard conviction means someone else was trying to do what? Yeah, somebody else trying to push you off of them. You only had to stand on them because it was some rocky ground or something else that was kind of causing you to teeter or to totter in another direction. But the conviction standing on it, the conviction of things not seen. Why is it that we sing that song? Why is it that in church we do this? Why is it that some people have yet to understand who Jesus is? Well, we look to the scriptures and hear of a God who says, because I have not yet come today, there is time for those who have yet to hear. And my message continues to move forward. My message continues to move out. And my God, I am a God who does not desire anyone to perish, but all to have everlasting life. It's when we as humans start to try to fill in the blanks God doesn't give us, that's when we get into problems. If we let God speak more and we listen to his voice and we'd speak a little bit less, which is a somewhat odd thing to preach about, isn't it? As a guy who's preaching, speaking more. We need to turn to the scriptures to let God share with us what he would have for us. So think about how faith is developed in kingdoms. Go to John 18. We're going to conclude there this morning. It's our gospel reading. So we go into John 18, and we have Pilate asking Jesus questions. He wants to know who he is, wants to know more about him. And as he asks these questions, it gives us a picture of what it looks like to hear God. I'm sharing with you again, this is John 18. So if you're looking there in the Bible, some of you are flipping 18. 33 to 36 is where I'm reading from. So Pilate entered his headquarters again and called Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Do you say this of your own accord or did others say it about me? Pilate answered, I'm a Jew. Am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you over to me. What have you done? See, he just wants to know. Pilate's curious. He's had lots of people come before him. Now, not all of us are judges, I'm assuming, right? We're not all judges. We've not all sat in an appellate court or a district court or a circuit court or any others or, or reigned over a courtroom. But imagine what it is to have that ability. People always come to you. Part of it is Pilate being inquisitive. I want to know about this man who at least is hearing claims of being a king or others. He just really wants to know. What makes this Jesus tick? Imagine being king. You'd have lots of different people come before you. <laughs> some who think you're doing it great. Some who think you're doing it poorly. Some who think they could do it better. So here we just have an insight of Pilate someone who is in earthly control, curious about this man brought before him. The text continues in verse 35. Pilate answered, am I a Jew? 
Your own nation and chief priests have delivered you over to me. What have you done? And Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I would not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not from this world. You see, Jesus' kingdom is greater than you can touch and see. So from Hebrews 11, talking about faith, the assurance of things not yet seen, you then have in Pilate's questions, Jesus helping us to see that there's more going on than we see before our eyes. There's something more to Jesus than just someone before a civil authority. Jesus is presenting to the earth the grand vision that God is doing more. Now the question for you then is, who is Jesus? That's what we've done these last few months. Who is he? He is someone who Pilate is saying, I've got more going on than this world understands. There's something happening behind the scenes that you, Pilate, will not yet understand. And he's not trying to convince Pilate of all of that because God at this point seems in Christ to just be moving to the cross. That is his ultimate goal. We see that through the four Gospels at this point. He's not trying to convince Pilate of anything except making sure that he can, oddly enough, find his way to a cross so that God, the Father's plan, would play out just as it had been intended. So what permits a man to act as Jesus does in the face of this real and present challenge? It's the fact that Jesus isn't just a man. Jesus is God in the flesh. So as Pilate asks questions, he's not looking at Pilate as the person who can choose to save his life or to let go of his life. He knows there's only one who can choose to save a life or let it go, his Father who is in heaven. He knows who is in ultimate control. He set all these things in their place. Remember Hebrews 1 verse 2, he was the heir of all things. That's how Hebrews began. Hebrews 6.13, that he was the heir of righteousness. And there's this unchanged creator. So in Hebrews 11, when we talked about this righteousness, that Noah would be an heir of righteousness, we too become those heirs. John 18, verse 37, then Pilate said to him, so you are a king. Jesus answered, you say that I am a king. For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world, to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth, listens to my voice. You see, that's the picture of the children this morning. Are they listening? Do they have the chance to listen to what's told them this morning uh, about God and the tabernacle and the Ark of the Covenant and God's desire to be present in their life? Are you listening this morning to hear that God actually knows you, knows your name, knows every hair on your head, died for you before you were even born because he cared about you so much. The church is infinitely more than the seat we sit in, the music that we sing. It is about a God who gave up everything. It is a God who is the Father's Son, the exact image of God the Father who shed his blood for you. Who is this Jesus? Jesus is the one who would stop at nothing so that at his name, at the profession of his name, God might look at you and say, well done, good and faithful servant. That at the profession of his name, God would say, you are mine. May we sing praise to God each and every day as we listen to his voice. This Jesus who is God, who is man, and who has offered himself for you that you might have newness of life. Amen. We're glad you've connected with us online and look forward to the opportunity to see you in person. On behalf of everyone at Jordan, we hope you will join us as we gather in worship of our Savior, Jesus Christ, every Sunday morning at 9.30 at Beaver Creek Cinemas 
in the peak of good living, Apex, North Carolina.